0: welcome to figures podcast today i'm joined by andrew wingy who has got a youtube channel called man medicine and one of the most alpha logos i've <laughs> seen so far and i've seen a lot of guys in this fitness industry you've got a great logo hey, andrew please yes. tell us a little bit about yourself I, I found your um youtube channel a while back and you mm-hmm. seem to be up and
1: coming so i figured uh, come over here and let's talk shop yeah thanks so much thanks so much for the invitation yeah i started the channel i guess. I think it's been a little bit over a year, just to maybe start putting out some more detailed information in the area of age management, men's health, that sort of thing. My background, I mean, I, I'm a conventionally trained MD. I'm um, I'm double boarded in in family medicine and emergency medicine. I still practice emergency medicine. I was just in the ER all last week working, oh, so okay. uh, I'm back home now. So, so I still I still like am right in the thick of it. Uh, I like to say I'm I'm I have a front row seat to the collapse of the U.S. healthcare system because I'm I'm right <laughs> there like in the middle of it. But then I also I have a, a small men's health telemedicine practice that I've been running for a while as well that I. Um, where I do health optimization, I, it's exclusively for men. And it's something that I really, really, really enjoy, uh, something I've been doing for quite some time. And um, it's it's something that I'm going to be growing as I get older. I've just turned 50. So, you know, emergency medicine is great. It's, it's exciting. Um, but as you get older, you know, it gets harder and harder. You're working night shifts, yeah. you're working swing shifts. I mean, anybody that's, uh, you know, anybody that works in the emergency room knows exactly what I'm talking about. So, I, uh, you know, I've been a physician now for 23 years. I did all of my training wow. through the U S military. So, uh, cause I, I was broke, <laughs> I was broke as a college student. So I, uh, I went to the uniformed services university, which is a U.S. military run medical school. That is kind of a pretty, it's like a well-kept secret. I think it's, I guess you could kind of think of it as like West point for doctors. So, uh, I had a very long, like, commitment and payback, you know, for that. So I was in the Air Force for 17 years. I made it up to the rank of lieutenant colonel and then finally separating. And then, um, you know, was trying to decide what I wanted to do when I grew up after I got out. So uh, I've settled down now in in central Oregon and I'm working, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, working my room shifts. I have family out here and, uh, you know, I've been running my age management practice ever since. So that kind of brings us up to...
0: Yeah. And how how do you feel the tea, like the going on social media has that helped you kind of get your word out there and and discuss a little bit more about your practice? It's been really interesting.
1: I I yeah, it's been very interesting. I I didn't know what to expect. It's something that I think a lot of people think about starting a YouTube channel and they they kick it around for a few years and I was one of those guys and I said finally like, you know what? I just need to do it. Like I can think about this all day long mm-hmm. and plan it. I just need to go ahead and do it because um you know it, if you don't execute you can you can plan all day but you ultimately you have to execute it's just like with going to the gym i mean you have to execute so mm-hmm. um yeah i i see on you you know youtube you can find anything on youtube obviously and there are some really good websites or sorry good channels with you know rock solid information for men yours is one of them there's a handful of other ones that are really good but there's also you know, I hate to say it, but there's also like some, some quackery out there and some misleading information or or things that are like maybe taken out of context, you know, I'm trying to be Mm -hmm. nice. (laughs) So I thought, you know, I'm a very, again, I'm, I'm conventionally trained. So I, I, I try to be evidence-based in everything that I recommend Mm -hmm. and that I do for patients, knowing that there's not always a ton of evidence for some of the stuff that we do, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which doesn't mean it doesn't work or it's not useful, but so I wanted to kind of create a platform where I can put out good information for patients because ultimately, I guess one of the big messages I have is that, you know, the healthcare system in the United States, and really I talk to guys all over the world in this practice, it's, it's not headed to a good place and, and you don't no. want to be sucked into it because once you're in, it's sort of like that. It's like the proverbial belly of the beast. So. You know, the only way to stay out of the medical system is to be as as healthy as you possibly can. You know, not just when you're young; you have to start when you're young. But you know, in your fifties and sixties and seventies, you know, that's when yeah. uh, that's when the wheels come off for a lot of people, and they end up on in my my world in the emergency room. And by that point, it's a lot of times it's too late. So I wanted to you know give guys information yeah. that mm-hmm. they can use to make good healthcare decisions because. You know i mean just like anything in life like you can't make good decisions if you don't have good information and and ultimately true. you know one of the take-home messages of my channel is that like you're responsible for your own health care um you know the, mm-hmm. the days of like relying on your doctor to keep you healthy are over um one your doctor no. probably doesn't know <laughs> you know they, they it, we, work, we do live in a sick care system right so um yeah. you know to if if you're sort of in that if you're normal whatever that may be today they don't really know what to do with you uh, if you're normal and say you want to be super healthy you know if you go to your regular internist they don't family know. medicine doctor urologist they don't know what to do um no, they only so know what the, to do the with the you preventative medicine
0: snack- yeah, pre- preventative medicine barely exists in the western world oh, yeah. where you go into yeah, a yeah. hospital Absolutely. and you ask them and you say, hey, I want to do some blood work I want to do some organ imaging, can you please check this oh, yeah, little check. nodule on my skin yeah. they just turn you away because you don't yeah. have any symptoms so this is a that. problem for a lot of people who, right, a lot problem for a lot of people who like to stay on top of their health okay, because there's mm-hmm. not a, a direct issue going on right yet, uh, right now yeah. but they want to be ahead of it and prevent mm-hmm. anything from ever happening. This is yeah. why I like countries like Thailand or Dubai or some other places in the world where you can just walk into a private hospital and say, Listen, yeah. I got mm-hmm. a potential problem XYZ. Can we mm-hmm. take it off? And if it costs me like two thousand dollars out of pocket and we don't find anything, great. I paid two thousand dollars for That's ease of news.
1: mind. Absolutely, right? yeah, absolutely. Good news. Yeah. Bye. It won't happen here. It won't happen here. I mean, I can tell you I can tell you all kinds of stories about that you know I, I actually went into the i get my care at the va so i asked the va i wanted to get an, a CT angiogram uh you know because I, I have a terrible if you watch some of my videos my family history for heart mm-hmm. disease is terrible i have uh, high lipoprotein right. a which we can talk about mm-hmm. and um so yeah so you know uh, I, I asked my intro i knew what they would say but i thought i would just ask you know oh no no you can't we don't do ctas uh, unless you've already had a heart attack or you're actively having chest pain. Uh, like, okay. All right. So, you know, it's, So basically it's you got to wait until you're active. close to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so ultimately it does come down to, you know, to making, you have to just take it into your own hands. And, you know, if you're not a physician if you're not medically trained or you don't, you know, like you haven't taken the time, you know, it takes many years to, to learn this stuff, regardless of whether you're a physician or not, you know, it, how, how do you make those decisions? Like, you can be led down the wrong path by someone who maybe doesn't have the best of intentions or is trying to sell you something. So anyway, my, my goal ultimately with the channel is just to give people good information that they can make good decisions with. And, and you know, I, I see the end result in the emergency room every day of what mm. um, what doing nothing Results in, you know, it's if if you if you take a passive role in your health, I mean, it's the it's entirely predictable where you're going to end up. I see it every single day. You're going to be coming in. I know heart heart attack, stroke, (laughs) diabetes. I mean, the the population that I see in the emergency department, it's hard to even relate to people who don't work in the healthcare system. Like just how sick these people are and 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 they're acutely sick but really they're chronically sick so they're oh, everybody's lifestyle,
0: lifestyle sickness right the diabetes yeah. and and the oh, smoking and yeah. the drinking and all that kind of stuff yeah. so so i just spent an entire month in the united states and i, I traveled all over right i went to mm-hmm. detroit i went to columbus chicago uh, la yeah. uh, las vegas florida man I, I went all over the place sacramento yeah. And, and so I got a good slice of America this time and yeah. I came to the conclusion that scary. general it's Americans are scary. not very healthy.
1: Oh my God. It's, it, no. it's, so it's pretty alarming, honestly, oh, as a foreigner. A yeah, disaster. As a... Yeah. yeah. Did you go to Disneyland or Disney world?
0: Disney world. Disney world was the worst. That's, that's yeah, really like, that's yeah, that's, you have people in all kinds of shapes and sizes, riding scooters mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. people with special needs, whether those are faked or real I mean it's it, and right the the diabetes level of Disney World is just alarming. It's, Plus Disney caters to it
1: because everything uh-huh. is sugar. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Everything Giant is sugar pretzels, over there. So it, enormous pretzels yeah. and drinks and everything's supersized, yeah. right? Everything including yeah, the people.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Full with sugar. So it's it's alarming to mm-hmm. see. And mm-hmm. and you know, so especially living in Asia for such a long time, where most people are somewhat in shape, you know, of course, right. diabetes and, and lifestyle diseases are rising over here. But it's it's generally speaking, people at least appear yeah. to be healthier uh, right. on the outside. But then again, wow. of course, if you send them for blood work and organ imaging, it's probably the same stuff. Right. I just think the general population is is really on a decline. It's so Especially bad. the Western world. It's and, well, and of course, you see this. Yeah, you see yeah. this quite often in your practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm only exposed to it when I go out to a public place. Um, mm-hmm. But what I see yeah. in the fitness industry is a lot of steroid abuse, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Performance-enhancing drug sure, uh, sure. mismanagement. Part. Yeah. So, do you see that in, in your practice, <laughs> like where you get some guys that are, you know, into steroids or that kind of stuff, and then they get coronary artery disease or all kinds? Of, other kinds of cardiovascular issues not uh, when really. they come so in?
1: Not, not in my emergency mm. medicine practice. This, um, you know, the the population that I see, I see tons of coronary artery disease. I mean, I get heart attacks every single day, strokes, all that right. sort of stuff. But it's from the stuff, it's from the usual things you'd expect, right? It's decades of, mm uncontrolled high blood pressure, de- decades of uh, hyperglycemia, decades of, of lipids through the roof and terrible diet and obesity and and actually like tons of methamphetamines. Like methamphetamines is a huge issue in the, just know. everywhere in the United States. And so we're wow. like, th- it's, uh, it's not unusual to have like three generations of a family at the hospital. They're all hooked on am- methamphetamines. And, and of course, fentanyl is now the new thing As well. So, So are we are we talking
0: about methamphetamines that are prescribed in the form of Adderall, Vivant, Dexedrine, or this is the street amphetamines? Yeah, this is
1: the yeah the stuff coming up from in in where I am, and I think most of the states now it's all coming up from Mexican labs. Mm -hmm. So um, there there are still mom and pop uh, you know meth labs like (laughs) out in the country, but I think they've those have you know they've been law enforcement is you know is pretty active on those, but there's no shortage Mm -hmm. of like every single day people come in out of their minds on methamphetamines. Oh, wow. and, and of course, they have cardiac stuff from that as well. But yeah, I've of never, course, they got arrhythmias. I've never had, yeah. I've never had a single anabolic steroid related emergency room visit in over 20 years, with with one okay. exception, one exception. So I had uh-huh. a, a, an elderly guy who got a really bad infection in his quad from a, mm. um, he from his testosterone injection and that was Mm -hmm. that was it. he actually had he was he had necrotizing fasciitis which that's the flesh-eating bacteria that you hear about in the news and that was from you know probably not the most sanitary uh you know intramuscular injection into his quad that's the only time Mm -hmm. i've ever seen a ped related er visit and but you wouldn't expect it right i mean the problems with peds um i mean you know better than anybody it's 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 going to be heart attacks and strokes, but it's going to be years down the road. Like, like a lot of times after your competitive career is over, um, that's when Mm -hmm. these bodybuilders are dying, you know, and they're maybe in their fifties, late forties, that kind of stuff. So it's like, they're not, they're not maybe even actively on anything right now, but then they're, you know, they're running into, you know, they end up on dialysis or they have kidney failure, um, that sort of thing. So, so that's not, yeah, yeah. It's not a common thing, in that part of my practice now guys come to me in my my men's health practice who have abused peds for sure and i've got a, a small number of guys that i i try to do damage control and i monitor their health and and try to keep them safe because they're not you know they're not going to stop and that's you know it's it's their decision obviously um but you know i just i help keep them a little bit safer maybe than they normally would be yeah yeah it's the
0: same what I did for many years with, yeah, with bodybuilding exactly, coaching. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. You're still going to take the steroids. They still want to compete or they still want to yeah. look good for social media for whatever vanity yeah. purposes. So yeah. you just got to make them do blood work like every month, every couple of months and do some organ imaging to shove it under right. your notes. Like yeah. if you do this, your blood work is shit. And if you do this, yeah. your blood work is less shit, yeah. but it's it still makes it shit. More real.
1: <laughs> it makes it more real to yeah. them, right? And sure, you, saw, you see the yeah. piece of paper and the... You know, look, oh, this is you on trend. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. Not good. So, uh, exactly. So I yeah. do have some of those guys. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so in your, like in your personal experience, in your personal history, have you dabbled right. yourself with these anabolic exactly. energy steroids? Or have you always I, stick to like testosterone replacement therapy and, and never well, felt not, the need no, to? No,
1: I haven't. I, I, I came pretty close a few times in college, but it was a different world, man. Mm-hmm. When I was coming up, like I, I, I yeah. was in I was in in college in 19, in the early 90s so 1990, 1991 at a small town college mm-hmm. and and I was at a gym there were some pretty good bodybuilders there in fact uh, like Stan Efferdine was there like in his early 20s mid-20s so he was there oh, right. and That's there, was, funny. there was a there was kind of like an unspoken underground back then
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you kind of had to know somebody it wasn't like it's not in your face like it is today there was no social media. No. And, and honestly, no, had to earn it. I was, yeah, you had to earn it. And I was terrified of steroids because there was, you know, <laughs> nobody knew anything about them. The only books we had, we had the old, um, remember Dan Duchesne's like underground steroid handbook right. and, um, always oh, uh, anabolic, Phillips, like, anabolic uh, reference guide. right? And, and, and just so I was, just like, uh, I don't nervous. know,
0: XYZ edition by uh, James Laloven from the UK that, yes. that one became quite popular, and and the yes. funny thing is, all those three handbooks full with misinformation.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah now they're all wrong. <laughs> yeah, but that's all yeah. we had, you know, back then. Yeah, that's so all. I would read that yeah. stuff, and I just was like, oh, I don't know. And then you know, I was so f- I was I was hyper focused. I was a I was a good kid. Like I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't party. Like i was in my i was in chemistry lab like when all the guys were out Mm -hmm. partying like i was trying to get into medical school so uh, there were definitely times when i was tempted because i i really started growing i I think i I, I had fairly decent genetics um growing Mm -hmm. up and i responded really well and so i didn't feel like i needed them um, cause I would see guys at the gym hmm. they would use, there was Sustanon and Anadrol 50 was like the two things that were going around the gym periodically. Right. And I remember one guy in particular that, you know, he would blow up, you know, 40, 50 pounds and then he would come off and he would lose like everything. And I, so I would see this guy go <laughs> through the roller coaster, and I thought, man, what's the point? Like you're, you're, you know, you're gaining all this muscle and you lose it all meanwhile you know I I was training naturally and I I was making just nice steady progress so I was happy mm. with that I was too scared I think if I was coming up today with the more more information and and things on social media I mean I think mm. that and then the access I think is greater now than it was you, yeah. you had to kind of know somebody who knew somebody back then you know I probably as a 19 year old kid yeah I don't think I could have resisted that temptation but but I didn't. Um, nowadays, it's no. Nowadays, military, it's a lot harder.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, nowadays, it's a lot harder because all these kids are exposed to steroids through social media, and everybody's yeah. open and honest about it. Yeah. And I think with all the steroid education that's out there, I think a lot of people think that they're ready earlier. Yeah. And they are yeah. really ready for the steroids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they watch a couple of my videos and some of your videos, some mm-hmm. other educators' videos. They're so like, you know what? This makes sense. Let's get started. All right, let's do it. But. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Right. And then they don't go through that process of kind of earning it. Like I was drug free for 11 years. So I trained yeah. from, I like, guess, a bodybuilder, natu- n- natural bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't get, get so far mm-hmm. uh, from 15 years old to 26. And then yeah. I felt, you Good know you. what, I, I did enough research, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I did enough research, let's start with one ampule of testosterone, which everybody thought it was crazy, gotcha. but I yeah. just, I was scared also, right? I didn't yeah. know what to expect yeah. and I'm happy I God. did because I read all those cycle logs on steroid.com mm-hmm. and professional mm-hmm. muscle and mm-hmm. intense muscle and, you know, muscle mayhem. I read all those cycle logs and people just... In the first couple of weeks to get good results and then the side effects start right the gyno and the moon face, right. and the water attention yeah. and the acne yeah. and all that so yeah. i realized okay let's start low and i saw that around me because i had several nice. classmates who went to the, the steroid jar of their parents so they got like thai thai b- t-balls oh, and thai Yeah, okay. okay. they had those big 1000 uh 1000 yeah. uh, tablet know? jars of five mm-hmm. milligrams and they would just grab because ah, Dad takes it i take it so they would blow up and then the, the jar would be finished and they would shrink yeah. just like you saw, oh, right, exactly. in the gym. So I got exposed to the wrong side and then the guys who were doing it right, the IFB pros or their competitors, mm-hmm. they just kept their mouth shut, right? Until yeah, at one point yeah, I exactly. asked about it after exactly. 10 years showing up to the gym. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess in that sense we were lucky that we didn't get exposed mm-hmm. to it early, uh, but I wish I had access to the information because I still made plenty of mistakes when I got started. Oh, sure. And then... Yeah. i'm I'm not sure how this was for you but for me it was like okay i made the decision right now this entire new world of performance enhancing drugs opens up and there's thousands of them (laughs) that you can try it's i I went down
1: a pretty rabbit hole yeah blows your mind yeah and i i don't consider myself a a ped expert i you know i learn from guys like you and and you know and my patients come in and they you know they tell me Mm -hmm. they're on things i'm like i don't even know what that is i need to go learn about it Oh shit. You know, just to circle back, but you're (laughs) absolutely right. It it there's a lot to be said for maximizing your genetic potential before hopping on any sort of you know performance enhancing substance. Yeah. Because I I think a lot of people also they underestimate what their bodies are capable of, um, Mm -hmm. and how much muscle tissue, especially if you do if you're doing everything else correctly, um, that you could build a pretty darn good physique naturally. And then if certainly if you want to take it to the next level. Now you've got the information to do it safely. Uh, you can fi- now it's easier to find doctors. You know, like myself, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. other ones out there that would are, are not going to like wave their finger at you and 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 um, look down on you or refuse to take care of you. There, there are doctors that are willing to monitor athletes now that want to go that route. But mm-hmm. it it, yeah. it it's kind of heartbreaking because I you know I work out at a nice local gym here, and there's all these. These kids are probably like eighteen to twenty years old, and they're they're all on gear, and they yeah or on sarms don't even, even worse. They don't, <laughs> a lot of yeah, so there's a lot of the little sarm goblins <laughs> they call them in there, and you can spot them. You you know who they are. Like you can just Easy. tell. Yeah,
0: they got bro- broccoli haircuts. They do like yeah, sumo deadlifts. Yeah, and they got yeah. you know all the latest yeah. fitness apparel. The young yeah. LA and the Vanquish yep. and the I don't know whatever. They, like they all look the same. They all oh the man. Same. And that's the thing I noticed when I was in the U S like mm-hmm. all these young kids, they all look the same, all they look do. the same. They do. And then say, hey, do you know, this guy's got like 3 million followers. I said, I've never seen this guy and I don't really care because right. <laughs> there's that's nothing amazing. to learn there, you know? <laughs> <Wow. Yeah. laughs> no. Nothing... Yeah. No. So they all they all kind of graduate like all these kids, they kind of follow each other. Right. And they, they have huge followings like Sam Sulek for example, mm-hmm. he just blew up. And yeah, I think yeah. if you look I in his know, yeah. YouTube YouTube analytics, mm-hmm. his audience is like 15, 18, maybe 25 right. years old. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it starts mm-hmm. to taper off rapidly. Or I'm sure if you look into your audience and my audience, it's like 25 to 30, and then <laughs> yeah. uh, you know 30 to 40, and then it starts yeah. to taper off. I have, mm-hmm. I have very little young guys. So the young guys follow the young guys. And then Thank as you, you get older, you follow more of the older guys. Um, mm-hmm. and some of the young guys follow the sense. older guys too. I mean, i I meet them all the time, you know, here in Thailand <laughs> or at the, yeah. in America. Um, but, but it's, it's just, I think there's so much pressure for these kids just to get started early while they're not yeah. ready at all. And all of the media. people that they follow, yeah. yeah.
1: All the people that they follow are in gear and, and saucing pretty that, hard. <laughs> yeah. Whether they admit it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, you know, they, yeah. they're all starting early, they're, they're wrecking their HPTA access, they're potentially compromising mm-hmm. their fertility. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're experiencing, they're putting themselves at all of the, the risk of what all this risk that comes with PDs for a, ultimately for a physique that if they had just been a bit more patient, and if they had been a bit more knowledgeable, they could mm-hmm. have achieved that same physique. Without any of the 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 negative side effects, and then they could have taken it even further if they had chosen to go down the PED route. You know, at a later point, that's the
0: worst thing what I see. Yeah, Yeah, that's the worst thing what I see. All these young kids, they take PEDs and sarms and whatever, and they look natural. Yes, and that 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 kind of that kind of hurts when I see that. I'm like,
1: yeah, yeah, what's the
0: point? What's the point? But their lipids, the lipids are not natural. The liver enzymes are not natural. are not
1: natural, and they're (laughs) you know they're yeah they're they're shut down. They're shut down. Yeah, and um yeah it's it's just it's it's that American I want it now mentality that now is like spread out all over the world. It's It's I I shouldn't have to to wait. I shouldn't have to work hard. Um, you know the whole idea of like just delayed gratification. There's a lot to be said Mm -hmm. for that, but it's it's not a trait that's as common as it used to be, you know, like in our generation or, you know, definitely older, like our parents, you know, you had to work hard to get someplace in life. And, and, and now everyone's looking for a shortcut. It's kind of cliche to say that I know every generation says that like my generation was better than your generation, but yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Everybody, every (laughs) generation, my dad makes fun of my generation, of course, you know, uh, for the, you know, what's,
0: what's, true but w- what i do think that contributes is because a lot of these young kids are on social media now they're they're making a lot of money and when i say a lot it's oh, like 50 yeah. 100 yeah. 150, 000, 000 per month right yeah. and a lot of young kids want a piece of that pie i mean i want a piece of that pie too don't get me mm-hmm. wrong sure. um, yeah. <laughs> you Why know three hundred thousand a month is, is a good yeah. is a good amount of income Um yeah. but you know when yeah. when kids hear that potential they're like you know the light bulb switches like okay if i want to reach this i need gear because otherwise i can't blow up on social yeah. media and yeah. unfortunately to a certain extent that's true because all of the guys that blew up and make good money mm-hmm.
1: are all on gear 100% 100% yeah. and i try to stay off social media as much as possible but you know just because of mm-hmm. the, just for, for my business here and 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 just even things like just taking staying in touch with family and friends you can't you know you mm-hmm. can't avoid it it gets put in my feed. Yeah, I see this. They're, they're all on gear. They're all on something, yeah. and you know, it's it's just it's just it's like a whole new world. It's so bizarre to me, you know. It so it is. just I'm <laughs> old. It's because right. it didn't exist. So when, it when, just when, did like, not exist for me when growing up.
0: No, it's no, it's thing. something of the last five years. It's only the last five yeah. years uh, mm-hmm. after the in, uh, inception of Instagram and YouTube becoming popular mm-hmm. and monetizable. It's Mm -hmm. just gone haywire basically. Mm -hmm. So in your clinic, do you see like a lot of young kids, like 15, 20, 25 years old, just getting started? No, it's it's
1: mostly older guys. It's mostly older guys that reach out to me. And, and, Mm. you know, for legal reasons, I I only see 18 and above. Um, so I haven't, I haven't had to do any, you know, and I'd probably have to turn them away. Um, at least, at Mm. least formally, I, I have no problem like taking a young man aside in the gym and having a, you know, a, yeah. a w- giving him a few and words of wisdom yeah. because I think that, you know, if I feel like he needs it, but yeah, most of, probably the average age in my clinic is, is mid forties. Uh, okay. which I think if you look across most men's health clinics and, uh, age sort of age management clinics, that's probably the demographic where most men, right. They that's when they really start suffering from low testosterone. Um, mm-hmm. although nowadays, I mean, it's getting, you know, it's getting younger and younger and younger, uh, and I yeah, do have a so few guys surprising.
0: that are young. Yeah, it's surprising to see, but I think it's mostly lifestyle related because I it made is. a video about the declining yeah. testosterone levels mm-hmm. and I looked at all the it's scientific crazy. evidence. Mm-hmm. And and you just see that a lot of it is just related to lifestyle. It and is. Even, it's complex. Even they mentioned that in the studies, is something that, you know, they can't really mm-hmm. determine, but it's probably mm-hmm. just external factors that yeah. that testosterone yeah. levels are, are going down. And I, I mean, all you have mm-hmm. to do is kind of look around yourself and see how... Oh, you know, poorly yeah. people are managing their health. So, as an example, mm-hmm. I've been on a diet eating healthy since I was mm-hmm. about 15, 17 years yeah. old. Yeah. Me too. My testosterone levels were about 6, 700, mm-hmm. you know, drug free. Mm-hmm. And now at age 40, even mm-hmm. though I'm doing ATG monotherapy, mm-hmm. my testosterone levels are still 6, 700. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been eating healthy for 25 yeah. years, so yeah. mine is a reason, to right? Minus going to an American, going on holiday. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the reasons, yeah, and it I'm physically is, active, low oxidative stress, taking some antioxidants, mm-hmm. right? So I, I got the prime example in the in the shape of my own parents, mm-hmm. who were smokers and drinkers and not eating mm-hmm. healthy and getting all these health issues when they were my age. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they were already yes. on the decline. When yeah. They were 40 and they were 70 years old, everywhere. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So it's on decline and now it's even worse and they, they don't listen. So, you know, I tried my part and uh, I became a health expert for myself. So I had a, like how not to do it. So I, I went to the gym, right? I did my cardio. I ate healthy as, as knowledgeable as I was at the age of 15. Mm-hmm. And I kind of progressed over time. And now I feel like at the age of 40 it's finally starting to pay off because when I compare yeah. myself to all the kids and, and, and people at university that didn't do that, I know. oh man, it's astounding. And when I look at you, I'm sure you, you feel the it. same way because at 50, oh, you yeah. look fucking killer, right? Yeah, you, you perform at a very high level and you look mm-hmm. great. And then I'm sure when you compare yourself to 50 years old from, you know, back in the days or just general 50 years old, you're like, yeah. they can't believe that you're 50, right? And it's people can't an believe age. that I'm 40 in my
1: age demographic. It's- you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I, I mean, I started the same, I got into fitness and health, like in my early teens. And, you know, I was you know, just methodical about never missing workouts, eating well, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, everybody, the, everybody, you know, the, a lot of your peers that are not doing that, they, they, especially if they've got good genetics, they still kind of look okay, they look good. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. they, at least they don't look terrible. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I noticed it in my late 30s for sure. And now it's like insane. But, like, you know, I've started to diverge from my peer groups So <laughs> in terms of like yeah. overall health. So, right. um, yeah, when, you know, like I, I see the 50-year-olds the that I see in the emergency department, these guys are my age. And, you know, they've got kidney disease. They've already had, like, two stents in their heart they're 300 pounds, you know, they, they haven't had a good erection in like eight years. They they're on like 17 prescription drugs. (laughs) And it's, and I'm just like, wow, like it's, it it really, this is such a, I I tell guys that are starting this stuff, like, of course you have to start early, but this is an investment that it's like compounding interest, man. You start doing this in like, say mm in your twenties, the big returns, You know, you may not see them in your 20s and early 30s, but man, when you get closer to 40, 50, and then, I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger in in your 60s and 70s. When you're out doing things with your wife and you're on trips and you're going hiking with your grandkids and these other people, they're in nursing homes. I mean, that's, that is the inevitable (laughs) decline that if you don't do Uh something, it's like jumping in a river and just floating along the current. You know, it's easy. You're, you're relaxing in the current. But, you know, the, the river is going over a waterfall at some point. So uh-huh. you have to swim like hell to not go over the waterfall. And we're all going to go over it eventually. Right. But you want right. to you want to not go over, you know, as quickly as if you just don't do anything, you're going to go. You're going to go. And especially oh, that's, living that's, in like that's this 100% toxic environment sure. today. Yeah. You know that uh, Mm -hmm. if if you just do what every other american does you will look like every other american and and you know you just you just defined it perfectly what the average american looks like it's pretty bad it's 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 unbelievably bad actually but that's the norm now so people their perception of like what normal is 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 really skewed i think in the united states in terms of what you know what is a healthy body fat percentage and it's It's not, you know, the norm is not normal. Um, I
0: think if you're current, constantly close. surrounded by, if you're constantly surrounded by unhealthy people that are fat, then you mm-hmm. probably think that that's normal. So what oh, I yeah. what I noticed with yeah. my yeah. wife, yeah. what I saw with my wife, for example, she's very slender. Mm-hmm. She's always been fit. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been training very mm-hmm. long time. She's got a good physique at forty years old. Mm-hmm. And then you see all the uh, the American girls that look at her like. Yeah, what the hell's going on here? Like they're yeah. surprised, and then she yeah. said she was forty, and she couldn't—they couldn't believe it. Yeah,
1: but they so you're absolutely wife is, not believing. It's normal though. That's that's what normal should be. That's normal. Yeah, that's what normal should they're, be, but it's no longer normal. Are, it's, a, not, it's not. It's exceptional. <laughs> yeah, well, now it <laughs> no. is, right? Now it is. But yeah. Really, like everybody should be like your wife, if right. uh, in you in just my live opinion, a yeah. life, right? That's what it should be. But you know, things <laughs> have been skewed so much um you know and the sad part is and i'm sure you saw it at at disney world or disneyland but it's the Mm -hmm. kids now it's these young children like i see 200 pound eight-year-olds with fatty liver disease a couple times a week yeah in the emergency department so so that's a whole nother you know it it used to just be the obesity problem used to be mainly just adults and and was what i was Mm -hmm. seeing but now it's like i mean even all the kids are fat too and yeah. so mm. you know it's, it's so you give them
0: like free free copies of dr jason fung uh fasting and diabetes code and just yeah. give it away said hey i feel bad for okay. you instead of the prescription just take this twenty dollar thirty dollar book yeah. and good luck
1: and stop eating <laughs> you know the, the sad thing is though steve i tell you like i if i did that at the, at the emergency room they would just take that book and psh, they're just not interested yeah
0: or they'll, or they'll sue you they'll take your license
1: away yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, people, and that's the other thing too, and maybe it's this like fat acceptance thing, but um, sometimes people, they're just not open to hearing that they need to lose weight, you know? And, and when I, mm-hmm. when I, whenever I bring that up at the hospital, I'm, I'm, mean, I'm very diplomatic about it. I'm very professional. I'm a nice guy. I'm not trying to <laughs> yeah. give anybody a hard time. I know it's hard to lose weight. You know, it's a metabolic condition, but yeah, like I've had them complain, like, like file a complaint at the hospital that I, you know, how dare I tell them to to lose weight? I'm like, I, it's, it's, the my same with, it's, like it's my job, it's my job to tell you that, you
0: know? But it's the same with bodybuilders though. I mean, you tell a yeah. bodybuilder to lose weight for longevity purposes. Oh yeah. You, you, they feel insulted, you it. Right? It, <laughs> it takes them 10, 15 years to yeah. get all that size. I'm finally mm-hmm. 260, 300 pounds. And they, they don't want to lose it, you know? And yeah. then, you know, yeah. the fatigue of the heart sets in and you know. Yeah. Sleep yeah. gets worse, and consequences. I think we're all. There's consequences. Yeah, I think there's being <laughs> heavy has consequences, regardless of if it's muscle tissue or fat mm-hmm. tissue, mm-hmm. and you know it is. You can debate that muscle tissue is worse because it requires more of your physique from a cardiovascular standpoint, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're not going to get big for free, right? So drugs are always involved when Correct. you're like 250 to 300 pounds. Yeah, when yeah, I mean, you get that. Um, big. Yeah, whereas if you're 300 pounds fat, it's just food, right? You can fast that yeah. off. And you right. see that over and over again, guys that make that lifestyle choice, and they, they go from 300 pounds to 200 pounds in a matter of a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the muscle, it's a little bit different because you know, mm-hmm. the steroids are involved, and steroids are somewhat addictive. I mean, let's be honest. Psychologically, you know, from a right? mental aspect, Yeah, yeah. psychologically. Yeah. Like, yeah. you look in the mirror, you look good, and then you take the steroids mm-hmm. away, you don't look so good anymore. It's mm-hmm. kind of rough. So, yeah. so I want, uh, let, let's go back to the subject of wives. Like you have a very interesting story regarding your own journey of fertility. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we, we basically yeah. connected. Yeah. So I'm on my fertility mm-hmm. protocol, but let, let's go over your uh, story because it's yeah. pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the final result is that I've got a one-year-old son now, which is, it is amazing. Even though he kept me up amazing. all night last night, he's still not sleeping very well. Yeah. So you have to look That's forward the to life. that. <laughs> so my you know, yeah I, we i've been with my partner for over almost 10 years now and we we have been i won't say we're Troy we're sort of not not trying like we just sort of just said whatever let's see what happens about a year mm-hmm. or two into our relationship um but i i have a medical condition that led to both fertility and to ultimately to my low testosterone and that was I was born with bilateral undescended testicles, so um, cryptorchidism mm. is the medical term for it. And I was born—I was born in Spain, actually. And I'm not sure if it—it it was not picked up or noticed, or maybe the standards were different at, in Spain at the time. But you know, typically, if it—if—if if, especially if, you know, if a boy is born with bilateral, they want to repair that as quickly as possible. They want to bring them right. down mm-hmm. out of the pelvis. Cause the longer the testes are in, in the pelvis, uh, at exposed to the higher temperatures, the more damage is done. And so right. I want to get those guys down into the cool, you know, scrotum, scrotal area, Exactly. Right. Well, usually by six months is when they want to do that. Well, mine didn't get repaired, uh, until I was three years old. So, mm. so there was some, definitely some damage done there. The left one mm. was like totally atrophied. Uh, the right one is just limping along. So, um, you know, it, I, I knew from well basically as soon as i got into medical school and learned about this i knew that i would very likely have fertility problems so right. if, mm-hmm. if you have a unilateral undescended testes you're usually okay because the other one you know right still got one that's functional yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah your sperm counts as long as everything else is is okay and the same with testosterone although certainly they can they can develop uh you know low testosterone as well but if, if both of them are damaged then the probability of you know you having a good sperm count is really low it's not it's not good and sure enough yeah right. my, mine was not good it was like i think pre-trt uh, um that was like seven or eight million you know per ml which hmm. um you know the the current who upper limit of normal is like 15 to 20. Yes. but yeah, just like with, just like with testosterone levels you know they are they're lowering the standards they're lowering the standards for sperm counts too so yeah, uh, when you compare like the World Health
0: Organization 2000 uh, 2001 versus 2010, yes. you see that all the parameters got lo- or some
1: of them got yep. lower.
0: You're yeah. like hmm. In the
1: 80s, it used to yeah. be 40. If you were below 40 million, that was considered abnormal in the in the in the 80s. Oh really? And then and then at some point they lowered that. it. Okay. Yeah, they lowered it to 20. And then now it's like 15 for the WHO. So yeah. it's just like oh, yeah, no, and, you're the fine. and the morphology and the
0: mortality. Yeah, yes. m- morphology and motility, they mm-hmm. reduced that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, luckily yeah. for me, my fertility came back with the fertility aids to like phenomenal levels.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. but let, let's continue with your story. <laughs> yeah, but that's a testament to your health, you know, overall. So, right. um, so anyway, but you know, fast forward to about age thirty-five is when you know. So back up, like presumably, I I was I produced enough testosterone, you know, through my formative years. I I put on a lot of muscle. As a natural mm-hmm. athlete, I was a competitive powerlifter. I would compete in the 242s. So, you know, like I think I, oh, I wow. never got my levels checked, but um, you know, presumably like I had pretty decent levels back then. But mid-30s, they yeah. things just sort of fell off a cliff. Um, and I had all of the classic mm-hmm. symptoms that you might expect. And uh I had a urologist friend of mine, you know, draw some labs on me. Yeah, sure enough. So I actually had a, it was mostly primary hypogonadism, so so I had, you know, mm-hmm. quite low t- total testosterone, but my LH and FSH were towards the higher end of the reference range. Um, yeah,
0: it's probably so also you no know, negative probably, feedback from the estrogen, because estrogen was probably also low. So you have this yeah, weird, I, like, I never yeah, you have this,
1: yeah.
0: I never oh, really? It. Yeah, <laughs> back <laughs> then,
1: you know I, didn't know, I didn't know anything about this stuff. We're not trained to check that stuff, you know, in, right. in, in conventional medicine, so Anyway, I um, you know that's I'm the kind of person that if you know if I'm going to get into something like this, especially if it's going to be for life, I mean, I just it's like a it's a deep dive. Like I got to know everything about it. So I took right. as many courses mm-hmm. as I could. I did uh, some training out at the Cenogenics Institute. This is like 2010, 2011. So uh, yeah, then I started on TRT, and it was I mean absolutely life changing for me. It, it could have been placebo, but I feel like within the first like three or four days of my first injection, it was like the clouds parted, you know, the, the uh, sunshine yeah. <laughs> came through. Like, <laughs> and it, um, Do you remember what product it you made, used? Or was it like, it was, it was like compounded? It was sippinata. compounded. Yeah, yeah, I think it was actually it was it was I don't remember. It, I got it. It was a commercial pharmacy, actually. In in Las Vegas, That's probably two hundred milligrams for right. one
0: milliliter sip They, they yeah, give you like one shot. It.
1: shot it. Yep, I did zero one shot every 6. ten days, fourteen days. No, well, I knew enough to do it. At least I did it once a week then. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was like zero point six mLs. I think was my first my first go through, and and it was absolutely amazing. So I I the the benefits to TRT for myself, and I've heard this from a lot of guys. They were all like above the neck, meaning cognition, Mm -hmm. mood, uh, focus, mm -hmm. drive energy. I, I already had a good amount of muscle built. I, I did not see huge performance gains from it probably because Mm -hmm. I had already kind of peaked in that area as much as I could be as I Mm -hmm. wanted to. So it was all just like, it was everything that it was everything that I needed at the time. So it really changed the whole course of my medical career. Cause then I got really interested in it. And, and so, <laughs> you know, fast forward to now it's been uh, very rewarding to be able to share that with other guys who a lot of times are suffering for years, like way longer than I ever did and getting blown off yeah. by their doctors, mm-hmm. not being listened to. Um, and, and, and then finally being able to turn things around and, and, you know, get somebody that will be willing to treat them. So in some ways it's, it's kind of Do interesting. See- like it's, my, my men's health practice has been a lot more rewarding from a medical standpoint Mm -hmm. than the emergency room. You know, you think in the ER, like, oh, you're saving lives. Like it's, you got to feel really good about it. But you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there that you don't feel that good about and, and is sort of futile in some ways, but the men's health practice, like I I've saved marriages. I've saved, you know, I've had guys tell me that I, I help keep them from committing suicide Um, Mm -hmm. Because they were so depressed, I've been able to get guys off of antidepressants and off of um, antihypertensive medications and and get them off their diabetes medications and it's like, you know, as a doctor, like that's, that's why you go into medicine, right? To make those life changes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a feel good thing, too. So, it's, uh, did, did
0: you get some 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 older patients that were clearly androgen deficient like 30 40 50 years old and then their previous doctor put them on a ssri or another antidepressants because that's also quite common
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some of them i mean this blows my mind but they told me like their doctor actually refused to even check it you know just like wow. wouldn't even entertain it like i'm not joking one guy said well he he looked at me that he had a beard you know he said listen you you've been Mm -hmm. able to grow a beard you don't have low testosterone which is like like one of the most absurd things i've ever heard right so yeah there are guys that come with those stories and you know it seems like it's happening a little bit less lately but Mm -hmm. there's still yeah, it's just not part of the mainstream medical world, but it really needs to be. Yeah. In fact, that's something that I really want to change the paradigm on. You know, I, I am an emergency room doctor, but I'm, I'm a family practice doctor still at heart. I've kept up my boards. Th- there's not enough right. endocrinologists. There's not enough urologists in the world to handle True. this problem. This is a global problem. I, I do consultations mm-hmm. like you do with guys all over the world, Australia, Kuwait. They all have the same issue and and they Mm -hmm. can't get access to care so like the paradigm needs to change this needs to be part of the core curriculum of all primary care residencies in my opinion is how to manage men on testosterone uh because this is like this is a global problem and And funnily uh,
0: funnily enough like estrogen management is on the curriculum for women yeah and in front of birth control (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, the hormonal uh, contraceptives, you know, the IUDs, like the, yeah. the ones you can yeah. enter uterine devices. And yeah. so, so maybe with a couple more years of fighting, we can have our just due. Uh, but I, I'm the same. I can do consultations with men all over the world who don't have mm-hmm. access to hormone replacement therapy clinics or male health optimization clinics. Mm-hmm. And you just got to steer them in the right directions and say, listen, stick with compounded or pharmaceutical stuff. Start yeah. low. Look into your neurotransmitters, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, I make videos about this stuff so people can get started by yeah, themselves. Exactly. Um, and 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 then slowly but steady, you know, the guys that want to make a change, they will. Yeah. Uh, and then hopefully they get themselves in a good state of health, you know, because it's mm-hmm. it is quite alarming, right? And I met yeah. plenty of guys who Very do everything alarming. right. Like, I met plenty of guys who do everything right. They go to the gym, they take care of their health, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know, health supplementation, they try some mm-hmm. quote unquote test boosters, right? It might help a little bit. Yeah. And then they're still low because they yeah. do an ultrasound and they have like uh, a varicose cell. Yeah, and, exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. and so what are you going to do? Do you going to do the surgery or, which is sometimes not even available, or, right. uh, you know, are you're going to go with testosterone replacement therapy because, right. like, like exactly. Stan Efferding, for example, like mm-hmm. we mentioned him yeah. earlier. Yeah. Stan Efferding had a varicocele, cell at oh, undiagnosed that. until he was like yeah. 30 or something. So he was on TRT since a young mm-hmm. age and mm-hmm. then he got his varicocele cell fixed and then he had mm-hmm, kids yeah. later on in life, like you did. Yeah. I don't exactly know what the age is. It's in the the um, uh, the podcast that i did with him a couple months ago mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he had a similar story as you, right he was like semi-infertile he had testosterone replacement therapy because his testicles were not really functioning and he didn't know yeah. he didn't have puberty until he was like 21 wow yeah yeah so yeah. by the time you yeah. met him he was probably on trt or self-prescribed trt because oh yeah yeah he, he was just, huge he wasn't right? functioning yeah. Was absolutely massive yeah i'm sure He's like oh wait a minute this yeah. work kind of like lee yeah, priest yeah. right the 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 story yeah. in the grape uh you know through the grapevine is that uh lee priest was growth hormone yeah. prescribed when he was young oh, and then his mom short. made yeah. him go to the gym yeah because it was, it was short so,
1: but, that's his gateway drug right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. so
0: his mom made him yeah. go to the gym because his mom was a yeah. bodybuilder and then you know probably you know the uh, can of worm spent worse box opened. Mm-hmm. he's like oh, if growth hormone works what else works mm-hmm. right but it's all you know, he said yeah, he never took much. So we got to go with what I'm he saying. says. Um, yeah, of so, course, yeah. so I think like in your case, like if you have a structural issue and in, in Stan's mm-hmm. case and so many mm-hmm. other men, if you have mm-hmm. a structural issue, you need some sort of surgery or some medical intervention mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least to get your fertility parameters back. Like, yes, did you do some sort of surgery, or did you have to use like fertility <laughs> aids to get your wife pregnant or your girlfriend pregnant?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I'll continue the story. So there isn't really a surgical mm. intervention for what I have. That you know, the damage is done. The you're not going to get those Sertoli cells back. So mm. um, you know, there there are some medical things that you can do. So for uh, for example, I so I I started myself on ACG right out of the gate. When I, when I started on TRT, um, because, you know, I know, Mm -hmm. and and this is important for guys to understand because, you know, the staying on HCG, whatever protocol you use, there's a bunch of ones that there's many different ways to cook HCG, obviously to maintain fertility, but regardless, you know, you will still have a drop in your sperm counts. Even if you're just doing HCG Mm -hmm. on TRT, it's, it's not LH, it's not FSH, it's, um, it, it will drop your sperm counts. Now, you know, if you have hundred million to start with, and let's say now it cuts it in half, which I, I've seen that commonly, that's probably not a problem, right? You're still going to be able to impregnate your, your partner with 50 million sperm. Yeah. But if, if you have 20 million sperm at baseline, which many men do now, because things are dropping mm-hmm. and then you go on TRT and NHCG. So now you're walking around with maybe 10. Now that's a problem. And so I, I do yeah. encourage guys in the who are in that range to like get a baseline semen analysis before you go down this road, because you might be one of those guys that's that's already like borderline low, and then you know you, it, that's just good information to have. HCG may not be sufficient mm-hmm. for you; you may need to add yeah. in recombinant FSH or HMG, like like you did. So what I did, mm-hmm. so I I started on on HCG. Surprisingly, I didn't get a huge drop. In fact, it kind of went up a little bit. It was like 10 million on HCG. So that that's not okay. normal. <laughs> but um, it still was, you know, we were not having any success at all. And and there also was an issue on her end. Like she's extremely fit. Sounds like like your wife. She had very low body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. So what happens to a lot of women, mm-hmm. obviously, is they stop ovulating, right? Their circle, their cycles get messed up when their body fat's ah, too low. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we had some issues, you know, if with uh on her end as well that it took a number of years to get those straightened out but um ultimately I, I went on uh recombinant fsh and i and i upped my hcg based off of some andrology protocols that i saw in some journals mm-hmm. so higher doses of hcg like 1500 to 2000 twice a week and then uh initially okay. 75 yeah. views monday wednesday friday of, of our recombinant fsh and then at one point i went up to 150 to see if if I would get an additional boost from that. And and actually I didn't. The 75 mm. worked. It was about the same oh really but I was okay. able to get so a, I d- I did notice that. I did yeah. notice
0: that. When I went no, from 75 yeah. IUs three times yeah. a week to 75 IUs every day that was a significant boost for me. Yeah. Oh
1: good. Significant. Yeah. 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 It's it's variable. And and honestly, I typically if you read the literature on on men who've had undescent bilateral undescended testes they don't always get a great response obviously to hcg and recombinant and fsh because right. it's an it's end the organ blood flow problem. in the
0: necrotic. yeah it's an end organ. Right. you know, mm-hmm. you're,
1: you're kind of like beating a dead horse but i um i actually got my sperm counts up to over 20 million with that protocol okay and 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 we had we actually had a total of three pregnancies spontaneously from that um, all of them, unfortunately, all of them ended up in miscarriages. So mm. the third one was kind of a questionable one. She had like a positive pregnancy test for like three or four days and then it just went away. So it was probably like very, very early, mm. but the other two yeah. made it to like six and then I think like nine weeks. So I had to do like a DNC oh, wow. and stuff okay. like that, but it, yeah. um, that was the first time I'd ever gotten anybody pregnant, you know, to my knowledge. So, um, wow it uh it, it was a, <laughs> nice. I, I considered it like, you know even though obviously we didn't have a successful delivery from that and a baby but i i considered that uh relatively successful for me in terms of it was actually kind of a neat, a neat experiment to see how these drugs work right, were history, right which are medical history right
0: that at least did
1: yeah i never used them on myself so um now the other thing too like i should back up a little bit because this applies to a lot of men too is you know if if you're going to work on improving your sperm counts, your sperm counts a lot of times are a reflection of your overall general health. So you really got to get yourself in shape. You got to start eating better, right. um, and you'll see that reflected in your sperm counts. I mean, you'll get better motility. Mm-hmm. You'll get less oxidative damage and DNA damage. You'll get less of these deformed sperm, and some of them have two heads or two tails. And you'll see an improvement <laughs> yeah, in exactly. that if you if you take care of yeah. yourself. And there's actually some interesting studies with antioxidants that seem to show some benefits. So I have a little protocol that I recommend for True. men. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same thing that I took for myself. And you know, if anybody wants it, you can write to me. I'll, I'll send it to you. But it's not anything crazy. It's uh, several different antioxidants, NAC, obviously vitamin C. Uh, Lots of vitamin D, zinc, selenium. Uh, It's all stuff that is actually... It's the same
0: uh, on taurine, carnitine, (laughs) vitamin E, right? Same protocol that everybody does.
1: But there's data for it. There is data for it, so it works.
0: I know, I know. I mean, all all those (laughs) antioxidants and micronutrients, (laughs) to help with testicular function and prevent oxidative stress. And it's the oxidative Mm -hmm. stress in the seminal vesicles that ultimately kill your sperm. Absolutely. Because the oxidative stress in the testicles is... Not as much of an issue, but as soon as the the semen exits the testicles and travels to the seminal vesicles, yeah. where it stays yes. for you yes. know until it's ejaculated, mm-hmm. that's where the oxidative mm-hmm. damage occurs, and that's where the mo- that's morphology right. goes that's down right. and the motility goes down. So I mm-hmm. tell mm-hmm. most people to really opt their antioxidants around the yes. time that they uh, want to impregnate their wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to do it the entire month; only you mm-hmm. know for let's say eleven days leading up to uh, ovulation and, and impregnation or attempting mm-hmm. to. Uh, th- and that way, the motility and the morphology stays quite good. So what yeah. I noticed in my my protocol with a thousand IU's hCG three times per week, and mm-hmm. seventy five IU's FSH every day, mm-hmm. and a good amount of antioxidants around, uh, mm-hmm. you know, trying to impregnate my wife, around the time that I do my fertility check, my s- total semen volume is like four or five milliliters. Mm-hmm. and have about four 400 to 550 million sperm per ejaculate, mm-hmm. which is insane. Right? That's great. I That, really that was amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing, yeah. And the morphology yeah. is high and the motility is mm-hmm. high and it's all well be above World Health Organization standards. Oh, yeah. well uh, above, but because, yeah. because because But because my wife is 40, mm-hmm. every time we try to conceive, we have approximately a 5% chance of conception. That's right. So we've been... We've been doing six months already and uh, nothing so mm-hmm. far. <laughs> but mm-hmm. at my age, right, even though we're both in good states of health, you know, because you're older mm-hmm. and the nestling of the egg, right, to, to attach to the, you know, the yeah. wall of the, mm-hmm. the uterine wall, right? Mm-hmm. right, before it can form, a, you know, a life form, a baby, that it just have a very low uh, chance. So what I noticed, my wife's period has changed since we started conceiving, because I think yeah the earlier steps are are successful and then afterwards mm-hmm. something happens where it just doesn't proceed mm-hmm. into That's pregnancy right. so mm-hmm. it's it's just a, i guess it's a slow process when you're older like it, it took is. you how many years before your girlfriend finally got pregnant like how many years I mean, and how many
1: attempts i mean gosh uh i mean it was we kind of got out, went off birth control uh about a year and a half into our relationship we've been together 10 years and then we we really oh, actively wow. tried with, with the best sperm counts that I could produce, uh, probably for about yeah. four years. Uh, wow. and that's with, with an ovulation kit. Like we knew when she was, you know, when she was yeah. ovulating, she'd be like, Hey, honey, I'm yeah, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I drive home from work, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, do my part. But, yeah, right. just you know, a- a- after the third miscarriage, you know, it's, they're very heartbreaking, obviously. And, you know, yeah, of course, especially yeah. for couples, I have a lot of sympathy. <clears throat> I see a lot of miscarriages in the emergency department. So, you know, I, ha- having lived through that, like, I, I understand how mm-hmm. emotional that is for a couple that's been trying. And, um, you know, we decided to, you know, I had been saving up money and we just decided to go through the IVF route because, you know, she's ah, 35. Right, okay. she's, she's 35 now. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and really, you know, like you were saying, as you get older, I mean, just, it doesn't get easier as you get older, uh, for, for a woman to get pregnant and there's more issues with, you know, genetic problems and stuff like that. So, um, and we were really lucky. I think we got five or six, I've lost track, like pretty good quality embryos. We implanted the first Mm -hmm. one, which is a female and it didn't take, unfortunately, because there's about... Mm -hmm. For her age, this is what the doctor told us. We had about a sixty percent chance of it taking and right. becoming a full pregnancy, you know, per per attempt. So the first one didn't work, and then the second one with my son was successful, and um, mm-hmm. it's been pretty amazing. So next month we go back up to the to Portland to do baby number two. So we'll see how it works. Oh, there you as go. We smile on all the on ice. Yeah. So I've actually, okay. I've come off of HCG now. I feel like I'm probably good mm-hmm. on that. I've been on HCG forever. And um, mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys. I don't know that I felt any different on HCG than off of it. So it's like, I, I don't know that I really need it for my protocol now. Oh, really? Um, oh. So I'm off of it right no. now. And, you know, I can always revisit that later. So it's right. been successful. Sorry, a little long bit I mean, it's, it's long road. It's very it's an emotional roller coaster for couples and and it's expensive i mean it's it's forty thousand dollars so far oh wow yeah Yeah. that's
0: what i was going to ask you because i did a little bit of research Mm -hmm. here in thailand Mm -hmm. and i expected if i wanted to go the ivf route Mm -hmm. i'd probably have to spend like 25 to 30 thousand dollars um so i don't mind trying like not Mm -hmm. not that money is that much of a concern uh, yeah. for to have a baby right i mean we'll right. make it happen if it if it needs mm-hmm. to go that way mm-hmm. but you know i we were going to give it like a year of trying uh yeah. maybe even a little yeah. bit longer and yeah. just keep using the fertility medications i can't mm-hmm. get off testosterone completely and yeah. you know i feel that we're doing everything right for myself mm-hmm. and for her just to have the mm-hmm. utmost highest fertility and the highest chance of conception yeah. and if it doesn't happen within a year uh, so we're halfway through already. Um, if, if it doesn't happen within a year, then I'm just going to go the IVF route. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: I think that's smart. I think that's smart. Right. Especially if, you know, it'd be different if there's a 10 year, you know, younger, if she was, you know, if she was 30, then, right. you know, you could have some, some room to play with. But yeah, the, you know, it's, you know, obviously men, if we stay fit and healthy, we can father children like into our eighties, but mm. there is a biological window there for women. Uh, it yeah. is what it is. And it's. You just have to deal with it. So it's um, and I know
0: I know genetically it's possible because my dad had another kid when he was fifty.
1: Yeah. So
0: and and he drinks and smokes.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) right, right. So this this and his testosterone levels are
0: like four hundred. So his fertility parameters are low, and his testosterone mm -hmm. levels are low, and he still got it done. You know, at at ten years older than I was. So yeah, uh, yeah, so I got a beautiful uh, little sister. And, uh, oh, that's great. uh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's that's great. 18 now or s- no, 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 yeah, 13, great. 13. Yeah. 13.
1: I, you know, I used to be worried about being an older dad, but, um, I, I don't worry about it anymore for all the reasons we were kind of talking about before, Yeah, you know, it's, if you take care of yourself and, and you, you, you optimize your health early on in your life, I mean, I, I don't feel 50 at all, no. mm-hmm. except when I get up in the morning, my you know my joints and stuff are they feel fifty, <laughs> but that's my own fault because I you know did stupid you stuff when I was young, right? Yeah, yeah, I do it to myself, right? So, right. Um, so you know, this kind of a, a health optimization lifestyle, I guess you could call it, or a protocol. I mean, it allows you to to, to delay things, maybe till later in mm. life that you couldn't delay earlier like it might have been like i don't know I, I, I hope you know your dad was probably happy when when he found out he was. yeah of course a dad at yeah, 50, yeah, but, was happy. yeah yeah but a lot of men at 50 would have a f- freaking heart attack um because they're ready to retire and they don't have the energy to chase after a toddler in their 50s right but i feel like i do i know you do um oh yeah so okay. like you Easy. know we your biological age is not reflective of how you know you feel and function during the day and so oh, it's about how it's, well
0: you treat yourself and then th- yeah, i think yeah. i guess for Absolutely. for men like us whatever 40 or 50 years old mm-hmm. because we have such an advantage over yeah. men in oh, our yeah. age bracket and even yeah. an advantage over men that are 10 years younger mm-hmm. uh, our kids Huge. are going to do substantially better, better as oh, well because gosh. Uh, they have proper mm-hmm. guidance at least Absolutely. when it comes to the aspect of health you know mm-hmm. so so mm-hmm. in that sense you know our kids yeah. will be ahead like i had a little, bit, a little bit of a rough start with my parents so i had to figure mm-hmm. it out by myself and mm-hmm. not yeah. sure how it was for you but mm-hmm. like if, if 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 it takes a couple years to kind of piece it together and then when you're 40 or 50 you're like you know what mm-hmm. okay now it's stanley now i'm finally here i think for yeah. your kids it can happen yeah. at 20 already Absolutely. just with proper guidance, you know,
1: absolutely. And you know, you financially like you're just you're just in mm-hmm. a better place, right? You know, for yeah. me, like all of my hard medical training is over, I'm not going to be I'm not working 100 hours a week anymore, like I can be a good present father, and set a good example for my son now, and, and hopefully, you know, a couple more kids along the way, I, I, I do know, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, you never know how life is going to work out. But I I'm really happy sure. that it, in some ways that it, it, it took me this long. Cause now I'm in a great place, you know, to, to yeah. Like, I mean, financial security there. and emotional, yeah. uh, you know, maturity is, is mm-hmm. huge
0: for raising mm-hmm. kids because yeah. how many, how many parents have kids way too early and oh, then their yeah. kids They're are not ready. I think i just as shitty as they are.
1: <laughs> it's true. I, I joke with, with Jillian. Like, I mean, the bar has been set so low with kids these days that like our kid is going to be a superstar just because he's not going to be raised on junk food. And he's mm-hmm. not going to have an iPad and he's not going to be, you know, watching television all day. He's going to be outside right. playing. Um, because I, cause that's what I insist on. Um, and just, just that take him with like, you, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's going to be, see me. That's the other thing too. I would say to guys, you know, to, if, if you're planning on starting a family, I mean, you have to do all this health stuff to obviously to get your sperm counts as good as possible, mm-hmm. but it's more than that, man. It's like, you, you you want to set a good example you want to have those habits already ingrained so that when this child comes into the world you know especially if we're talking about men here as if it's a boy like mm-hmm. do you want your kid to grow up and look like you do now or do you would, would you rather then, like get yourself together and, and set a good example and then rather listen to
0: andrew tate instead right? of you Do you really want that? Exactly. Yeah.
1: No, thank you. No. 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 No.
0: No. I'd rather be the one that instills some values than some
1: internet weirdo. You know. And you want your kid (laughs) to like, you know, to look up to you. You know, like I thought my dad was Superman when I was a little kid. But you know, if you're 300 pounds and and he sees you taking insulin shots and you're you're on the Mm -hmm. couch because you're too tired to go outside and play, like that, he's going to remember that, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be his. Reference for what masculinity is. And that's, and he's going to end up, I I see it all the time. You see the fat dad and then the Mm -hmm. fat son. And he's just like a little clone of the dad. I see it in the emergency room all the time. And it's just like, I'm, that kid is, you know, he learned that from his father. Yeah. From the parents, I think
0: that's normal. So what will happen then? What will happen then if you have a bodybuilder who's, 300 pounds and injects insulin also and right. steroids yeah. and growth hormone. I, yeah, it's a yeah, different that, problem, that brings right? to the limb <laughs> then again, you know, all the bodybuilders that I know that make mm. for wonderful parents, <laughs> like literally yeah. all of them, like yeah. all the people in the yeah. fitness community, like all the guys that I talk to that uh-huh. have kids, they're all wonderful parents and their kids are absolutely stellar because I mean, good quality food is always in the house because otherwise you're not a good bodybuilder. I think that has a lot yeah, to or, do
1: with it. really. I mean, if, I mean, it's just the low-hanging fruit, right? Like, mm. eat healthy, exercise, get lots of sunshine. I mean, if you if you just can do that at least, I mean, you're setting your kid up for success, you know. Mm-hmm. Not to mention yourself. Um, you know, I always I always say like, if if we could just get everybody to be like 10 to 15 percent body fat, for example, I would probably be out of a job. Uh, <laughs> for a lot of I do, you know, me too. Because <laughs> yeah, everybody would look be, good. Too, yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, because, you know, that would take care of all of these metabolic diseases that, uh, plague, you know, the world and maybe not all of them, obviously, but it would go a long way. It's, uh, so it's, it's really sad to me. I, always, I hate it when I see overweight children coming into mm-hmm. the hospital, uh, in the emergency department, cause it's just like, I know where that's headed. I know. And the parents don't know, they don't really, you know, they're too busy, caught up with their lives, but yeah. I know where that's headed. I know where that kid is going to look like when he's 40. And he's going to be in a bad place. Um, yeah, and the, I, school, and know, the schooling
0: no, system doesn't really, you know, bring this to the attention of the parents, nor do they no, educate regarding no, no, lifestyle. No. You know, no. you got topography no. and math, no. and maybe some science. You know, if you're lucky, some, some languages, Language. some Spanish, and but you know, like general health management, I, I can't remember no. that was part of my education. No, no, they cut the peak, classes.
1: Even. No nutrition classes. Um, no. That's why I tell people like this is up to you. It's up to us, like as individuals. Yeah. Like you're not mm-hmm. gonna be no one's gonna save you. No one's going to <laughs> rescue you. Um, you you've gotta learn this. You have to just take the initiative. And and sometimes I get a little salty about it because it's like there's really no excuse. I mean, the information is out there. That's and what phone, I always say. Yeah, the <laughs> That's phone. That's what I always say. You know, this stupid phone here that I'm addicted to um is more powerful than the computer that took the Apollo astronauts to the moon, I have yeah. access to all of human history, all knowledge recorded by the entire human race, I can look up on my phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the information, it. it's like, you can get it, you just have to like, get the initiative and you have to care. And, and it's, um, that's the frustrating part that I run into in this, in my, in my mainstream medical practice, it's just like getting people to buy in, like, It's Mm -hmm. like, you don't, you know, you don't have to be this way, right? Like this doesn't need to be (laughs) happening and they don't, it just, it's like talking to a wall sometimes. So on on the other hand, like, I know there's
0: a lot of guys out there that self diagnose through WebMD and Wikipedia. And (laughs) I mean, I'm the same way, right? So when I go to the doctor, uh, a medical professional, I already think that I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. so i tell them i need this this and this done and then you yeah. can help yeah. me interpret it yeah. so do you see a lot of that in your practice as well where guys wow. have are like 100 convinced that this is going on and then you have to kind of either confirm or or kind of defer them from this yeah. self-diagnosis yeah. and diagnosis yeah. because this is yeah. this is what we're all terrible yeah. in in fitness industry we all self-diagnose ourselves and yeah. then we take uh you know, everything that's on the uh, world anti-doping agency prohibited list to kind of get <laughs> herself out of that problem.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, I, so I do. Yeah, I see that a lot. I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me as much as some doctors do. I don't mind having a conversation mm-hmm. if someone pulls something off of Google. But yeah, so what I do see in the emergency department there's I, I do a lot of I never thought I would do this like at a trauma center, but like I do a mm-hmm. lot of anxiety management. So ah, people okay. who mm-hmm. are naturally very anxious, nervous Nellies, you know, they get on on Google and then they go down the rabbit hole and you know yeah. they, they started off with a hangnail. And by the time they get to me, they're like, I've got stage four lung cancer. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's like walk it back. Slow down, like, let's slow, yeah. down slow down. You know, so that, that <laughs> actually happens a lot. But I also, you know, people that they're, you know, they're intelligent and they, they take the time to look into their condition before they come see me. Like, I appreciate that. I, it, it mm-hmm. actually, a lot of times they're correct, uh, or at least they're on yeah. the right track and it, and it opens up, uh, a, a, it opens up the conversation. And if they're not on track, then I can, you know, at least I have a place to start and I can, you know, we can work right. through that and, and, you know, figure out what's going on, but I don't get offended. You know, I, I, I it's a partnership, you know, I, and I've said right. this before mm-hmm. on other podcasts, but like, I, I don't, I stopped telling people what to do a long time ago, <laughs> You know, with their health care. Like I just, just guide here to give them, you, right? Yeah, I'm going yeah. to give you the best advice based on my knowledge and experience that I can, so then you can make a good decision that works for you. And if you make a decision right. that's that's not one I agree with, that's okay. That's okay. So well,
0: they're all adults, right? So yeah, well, adults, gonna,
1: yeah I and and I a lot like of a guys have to attitude.
0: Yeah. Plus, plus a <laughs> lot of people are stubborn until they can no yeah. longer afford to be stubborn. That's I mean, this great. is bodybuilding one-on-one. Yeah. Bodybuilders cannot be affording to be stubborn because their health is on the decline, yeah. right? And yeah. it's the same There's with general population. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, I made plenty of mistakes, right? I made high dose oh, do. cycles and oh, yeah. incomplete, you know? Yeah. So, and then at one point, you see that with your blood work and your organ imaging, you're like, mm-hmm. you know what, maybe I do need to grow up a little bit and take some fucking yeah. responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but you know, it's a learning sorry. process, yeah. right? Yeah. So. So that's why I always, I I just throw the information out there. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully people are smart enough to kind of, you know, piece that together for themselves and make that work for them. Um, But yeah, sometimes it's a bit complicated, you know, to Mm -hmm. to really get people to step back. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to circle back to one of your deep dives, which you did not long ago, about the androgen receptor. Because I found it very, very interesting. You put everything together. um, And I've never seen somebody actually dive into the androgen receptor that in depth, uh, besides maybe me, about Mm -hmm. how steroids work. Uh, But it was a longer video. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, you did like a 35-minute video about the androgen receptor, about GAC repeaters and that kind of stuff. Do you think you can narrow it down a little bit, like the
1: key points for this podcast? Sure. Yeah, well, so it does okay. really have clinical relevance, in my opinion. It and and mm-hmm. and it it explains a lot why some men respond one way to androgens mm-hmm. and other men respond differently. Same androgen, same dose, same body weight, right. that sort of thing. Um the the affinity of the androgen receptor is genetically mediated. We are you know, we've a lot of people have talked about this, these CAG repeats, polyglutamates, but there's also like these polyproline uh, repeats mm-hmm. all of these things interact to to determine how well that androgen receptor functions and if you right. think about it it's the binding of testosterone to the androgen receptors it's like that's just the first step in this yeah. big, long process right that's out you of have the other one you have, you have two that attach right yeah yeah exactly right. it's a dimer right so there's mm-hmm. there's a there's a binding site that makes that happen with a conformational change and then now we have to get it into the nucleus. So there's transport proteins involved in that and channel pores Mm -hmm. and things. And then now we also have to bind it to the DNA and then, you know, unravel these histones. It's incredibly complicated. So you can imagine like every step of that process is, is going to be is determined ultimately by some genetic factors and environmental ones, of course, too. Yeah. Some nutrient
0: intake. Like I think that zinc and selenium selenium also Mm -hmm. contribute in this process. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah, and not to mention uh, endocrine disrupting compounds and chemicals that are everywhere that yeah. now are interfering yeah. with the binding of the, uh, yeah. interfering with the function of the androgen receptor. So, this is why, um, you know, there's some physicians out there. And I think uh, I've heard Keith Nichols say this on some podcasts. He's a, a well known guy, I think, in, in, the, in the world of, of testosterone replacement therapy. And he says, for a lot of men, super physiologic levels of testosterone, meaning super physiologic in the blood, are often necessary in order to get a adequate clinical response and it again it has a lot to do in my opinion with genetic variations of the androgen receptor mm-hmm. interference with the androgen receptor from you know a number of different endocrine disrupting compounds of which there are thousands of them so you know he states the he states his case pretty well and I actually agree with him that you know that sometimes you need to push that dose for certain men to get a mm-hmm. clinical effect, whereas with other men you don't. I mean, I, I, right. I have guys and I've seen guys who who feel really good with total testosterone of 600 and yeah you know me free too, I know 100. several
0: of them, they're freaks yeah. though, they're they're they are big freaks, bodybuilding though. freaks. Yeah. And their blood work yeah. looks perfect, <laughs> and you look at their testosterone just, 600, 200. you would think it's 2000 200. based on their muscularity. Yeah.
1: Precisely, precisely. Yeah. So it just, should, it just goes to show you, right, like, this is individualized medicine. All, you know, all medicine really should be individualized, but in this particular, um, in this particular field, like you can't. So, and that's a good way to sort of identify somebody in the medical world who doesn't really understand testosterone. Who says we need to get your level to X? Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's that is that may not be the case. You know, in my opinion, we need to get your levels to whatever it takes to resolve your symptoms. And exactly. for you, that might yeah. be one number. For me, that's a different number. And a big part of that, certainly not the only part, but a huge part of that is going to be you know, genetic variation and the way that the androgen receptor functions. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that boils it down a little bit. Uh, it's super fascinating. <laughs> and I know that we're going to be learning a lot more about that in the next few years. But, um, yeah, it, it, and that's why this cookie cutter approach that you see. Or um, you know the endocrine and neurological societies say that you should be shooting for, I think they use the phrase like mid-normal testosterone levels is like your target. Well, that might be okay for a percentage of men, a small percentage, honestly, but it's mm-hmm. not gonna. You're not gonna be able to address the needs of most men by doing that so approach. I, I can take myself as an example right my my
0: testosterone levels are mid-normal or mid-high mm-hmm. normal six mm-hmm. and seven hundred mm-hmm. and maybe it's because i took steroids for 12 years in total uh, mm-hmm. so i know what's you know behind nor- door number two <laughs> or maybe it's because my muscularity and the physical demand that i put on my body is so <laughs> much higher compared to where it was before because i still train like an animal Mm-hmm. I do my daily facet cardio, right? I walk a lot. Yeah, I, I do, do all kinds of physical stuff. Mm-hmm. I have six cats, right, and a wife. So they all need to be entertained. That's right. So I feel I feel semi androgen deficient. I feel eighty percent of where I should be, but mm-hmm. on paper I look I look perfect. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not sure if it's the reference of having like super physiological levels for so many yeah. years, or because I put so much demand on my body. But even sure. I consider myself a very healthy forty year old. Yeah. And even with normal levels, I don't feel normal anymore. Right. And it's not—it's exactly. not dopamine. It's not serotonin. It's not GABA. Yeah. It's not n- neuromodulation because I'm on top of that. Right. right. Uh, I, I'm releasing yeah, a you're very. Squared away ex- there. I'm squared away there. Trust mm-hmm. me. Um, so, it, it's funny that it also works for a lot of guys who've never taken steroids. So they might have mm-hmm. like 600, 700, 800 nanograms per deciliter, mm-hmm. but nothing is happening happening at the androgen receptor site. Isn't that interesting? And we can take, yeah. Yeah, and we could take androgen receptor sensitivity or androgen uh, insensitivity Mm -hmm. syndrome as an example. These guys have 1,200, 1,400, 1,600 nanograms per decilator. Mm -hmm. And they look like your average Italian man, you know, tall and a little bit skinny, Mm -hmm. a little bit of a beard, Mm -hmm. you know, good looking dude, but no muscle. Right, And they go to the gym, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Libido yeah. is okay. SHBG is a cruel joke of nature. It's like 80 <laughs> or 100 <right>? yeah, yeah, <laughs> animals yeah. per liter, right? Yeah. Because it's binding yeah. up all of this androgens because mm-hmm. it, it's just not getting to the androgen receptor. And on Precisely. paper, you would never think yeah. that it works. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, zinc supplementation and selenium supplementation <laughs> and carnitine supplementation aside, <laughs> most of these guys never get out of that thing because the genetic polymorphism on the antigen receptors, their GAC repeaters are just non-existent. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, yeah. I know you mentioned in that deep dive that there's like an ideal range of GAC repeaters. Can you go a little bit in depth? Yeah. On that sense?
1: So it's highly variable, you know, somewhere between mm-hmm. like eight and uh, like 30, you know, it, 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 and there's some ethnic differences that are sort of subtle and whether they mm-hmm. make a difference or not, it's, it's kind of hard to say. But, you know, most men fall in that, like, 18 to 20 range. And mm. it's hard to say, like, what, you know, obviously the less that you have, the more tightly bound or the more, um, yeah, I guess the higher okay, affinity uh, the receptor is. So so I guess, you know, if, if you had to pick one, you want to be less. The problem is there is an association with, uh, like, prostate cancer, prostate, prostate hyperplasia with these very short ah. keg repeats. So there may be an issue there uh, that probably needs to be teased out. There's so much stuff about the prostate that we don't know oh, yeah. well. And I would, you know, defer to, to urology experts on some of that stuff. But generally those shorter CAG repeats, it sounds good, but you may end up trading off, you know, for a higher risk of prostate cancer or maybe some other issues down the road. And then obviously, you know, you mentioned the problems on the other side of that. If you have these very long CAG repeats, yeah, they're just not going to bind androgen very well at all. So there's a right. sweet spot there somewhere in the middle. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot that goes into it, too. I mean, it's just, um, you know, if you're doing everything perfectly in terms of diet and lifestyle and, and you know. And, again, all the other factors that I mentioned, it's, it's not just the binding of the androgen to the receptor. It's oh, getting it, <laughs> translocating it, all that yeah. stuff. You know, you could have a polymorphism in, in something there that completely screws the whole thing up. And and yeah, or or the the, the other
0: right. So, yeah, once it gets to the DNA, it starts transcribing mm -hmm. DNA right and turns into RNA right, the ribonucleic acid. And then the ribonucleic acid attaches to to machinery, I don't, I'm not even sure what it's called, but then starts pumping out proteins right because it's literally a one on one. You have the segments of RNA convert into proteins and that starts folding, and and now you have an aromatized inhibitor. Or you have a sex one binding globulin, right? Or you oh, have yeah. an androgen yeah. receptor. So this is mm-hmm. a, on a very easy expl- <laughs> explanation. This mm-hmm. is kind of how it works. But if any step or any step of this process is, you know, not optimal, then it's a problem. A, yeah, it's a big problem. Yeah, yeah.
1: and and it could be yeah. something that's genetically wired in you, or more than likely something environmental that's interfering with that process. No. Um, again, I, you know, I'm really, I think this whole phenomenon with endocrine disrupting compounds and, you know, industrial chemicals, I think it's, it is, it's, we're going to find out that that is probably going to be the root cause of so many of these issues Yeah. in addition mm-hmm. to the lifestyle stuff that you mentioned, but because, you know, we already know that it interferes with the androgen receptor and, you know, mm-hmm. how many other processes and, and how many other places along the, all those complex steps are these chemicals interfering you know, with, with the ultimate end product or the end result. Uh, I think we're going to be discovering over the next few years that those things are major players, major, major players. It's just, we don't know yet. It's still being worked out. So that all, you know, it, 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 it just circles back to the fact that like, there's, there is an art of medicine and especially with, with testosterone that you've got to listen to your patients. It's, you know, my old attendings used to say this, you know, about, just medicine in general, like your patient will tell you the diagnosis, you just have to listen. So, um, you know, (laughs) if you've got a man who's who's not responding, like they like you think that they should, one, you know, you should always circle back and just just make sure you're on the right track, make sure you have the right diagnosis. But also, you know, knowing all these things that you you may need to increase the dose, you may need to take it past where you're comfortable. Um, yeah. or where oh, the medical field comfortable. feels comfortable or the medical yeah, field right. feels comfortable and then yeah. you know there's you 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 risk a medical board or a you know an endocrinologist sort of looking at that and and potentially giving you trouble over it even though you're you really are doing the right thing so it's uh, it's challenging because you want to you you know you always want yeah. to do the right thing by patients and you don't obviously you do no harm is the first tenant of medicine <laughs> But you know, you can push doses on guys in some cases and see nothing but benefit. So, right.
0: Yeah, and, and, and of course, you, like you shall do no harm, might be different in the eyes of a medical board compared to the oh, doctor, yeah. because well, the doctor is working with the patient, mm-hmm. and you realize that the reference range is just a number on a paper. Exactly. But the medical board is going to look at that reference range, which is now feminist up to 830 nanograms per deciliter, <laughs> and say this is where you yeah. stop. But wow. in reality, it could be 1100. Yeah. But most men feel great at 1500. Absolutely. Right. I bring yeah. I bring also yeah. my TRT guys, at, you know, yeah. let's say there are 300, maybe you double that or triple that. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you slowly bring them up. So maybe in the beginning, mm-hmm. the dose is a little bit low, just mm-hmm. assess response. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they might be at 200 yeah. or 250. Per week. You know,
1: Yep. just bring yeah, them up slowly. Exactly. It's, there's a dialing in process, right? Like we all know this. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I with my patients, I, I don't, I don't usually hit a home run right out of the gate, like with the dose no, and, and all that stuff. It takes, <laughs> it takes time. Right. And then as they, their body composition changes and you know, they experiment, mm. I let my patients experiment with dosing frequency to find out what is optimal for them. Uh, mm. and then they're, they're going to settle in, but sometimes, you know, that's a year, right. It's a year long process of, yeah, it could take time, well, yeah, it could take of, time. of doing all that stuff. So yeah it it is the art of medicine it's i don't know i i get blood tests just like everybody else but it's just you have to take them in context of the person sitting Mm -hmm. in front of you and that's the big problem with you know applying trying to be as evidence-based as possible like some of these studies you know they they give you a conclusion well they may be using test subject that really they're not like the patient that's in front of you so you can't really apply that to this (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean, you you know, okay, you know as well as I do, but <laughs>
0: people so, extrapolate from medical data that's not yeah, even relevant to people who are physically healthy and active. It, you know
1: exactly. So if it's or, or control, what's even then, worse,
0: what what what's even worse is a lot of like animal studies on male yeah. Wistar rats, right? Yeah. And then try to yeah. extrapolate from that. What yeah. are the GAG repeaters right. of male Wistar rats in the prostate? Yeah. <laughs> or uh, 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 all the other organs which are being examined. <laughs> so, like, I, I think when you, when you really look at the medical field, I think we're about 10% there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> where, probably, yeah. Where, where yeah. we should be, like, you know, mm-hmm. mold, mold toxicity, poorly mm-hmm. understood. Thallium Absolutely. poisoning, poorly understood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, indiv- mm-hmm. environmental, environmental androgen mm-hmm. disruptors or estrogen disruptors, etc It's et mm-hmm. poorly mm-hmm. understood. So, I, I think. Like smart guys like yourself and myself and a couple other good guys in the, in our sport and space. um, They understand this, but we're just trying to piece it together with what we have. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I'm sure 20 years from now, I'll look at myself like things that I know are absolutely correct. Now, 20 years from now, I'm like, eh, we have new evidence now, right? We learn as we go. And I'm sure you'll feel the same way, but I, I think, you know, as long as you stay on top of the medical evidence, mm-hmm. the best you can and mm-hmm. just keep an open mind and open ear, then at Got least it. you're ahead of the curve, you know, because oh, a lot of things
1: to... that we did five years ago are already outdated. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's that the old, the old saying, like half the stuff you learn in school is wrong. You just don't know which half. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and, and, and actually when it comes to <laughs> testosterone, like not only is it wrong, but it like the truth is literally the opposite of what yeah. was true. Like, the cardiovascular disease myths, the prostate cancer. So, like, not only did they tell us the wrong thing, but the truth was yeah. actually the opposite of that. Yeah, that's a weird. So that's a weird thing now. Yeah. But there's
0: scientific evidence that shows that testosterone can uh, be one of the uh, key uh, regulating factors of men with type two diabetes. Absolutely. Right? Because testosterone, Absolutely. testosterone improves insulin sensitivity, and then when yeah. you combine it with neurosteroids yeah. like DHEA. Has wow. a very big role in in mm-hmm. uh, glucose management, glucose homeostasis, yeah. just like estrogen, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's so funny to see that now, as as the medical field develops, that mm-hmm. things that were considered the devil are actually now considered to be, uh, you know, medicine. Yeah, exactly. And, and as it just changes so
1: slow. Like I, I'm impatient. I, I want this to change now. But, of course, you, know, you just yeah, have to course. be patient, and and I think it is. Like the younger group of, I, I work with some cardiologists, um, mm-hmm. then the ones that are fresher out of their training, they seem to be a bit more pro-testosterone or at the very least they're not anti-testosterone like some mm-hmm. of the older generation docs. So, th- yeah. you know, it's just a slow, gradual change, but the data is overwhelming uh, you know, that that obviously testosterone, when it's when it's replaced properly and judiciously, it's, it is a health promoting thing. Oh, sure. Like, there's thing. a reason it exists yeah. all throughout the animal kingdom, right? Like fish right. have testosterone, hamsters, humans. Like this is a fundamental hormone, human hormone. Um, uh, Women have it too, animal. in pretty
0: high concentrations. <laughs> <It's>, what's that?
1: <laughs> Women have it
0: too, pretty yeah, high concentrations do, yeah. as well. Women hormone. don't understand this. They have more testosterone
1: than estrogen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that blows their mind. Like they don't. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't compute. So right. yeah, it's, you know, the, the, the risks are obviously overblown. There are risks and you, you know, again, that's why you, you know, you see, you should see somebody who knows what they're doing is going to take good mm-hmm. care of you, you know, and not do anything, you know, that's outside of bounds. And that's uh that's an issue here in the States. Like the guys I work with overseas, their main issue is they mm-hmm. can't find any clinics that will work with them.
0: Right. I think
1: the problem mm-hmm. in the States is more the quality of, of the clinics and the quality of the care, because there's TRT clinics like on every corner around yeah. you know where I live. Yeah, C- CBD shops, oh, like yeah. weed yeah, shops yeah, like and TRT Canada. clinics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> And in, yeah, Thailand, in Thailand, we got CBD <laughs> shops and yeah. uh, and uh, you yeah, know prostitute uh, houses. Yeah, but TRT clinics are also yeah. popping up all over the place, even yeah. in Thailand. Yeah. But here, you can just buy Bayer iron or Rotex Medica Testosterone yeah, over the counter right. at the pharmacy. So, wow. another reason to move to Thailand yeah. is, you know, you can't get another prescription. Mm-hmm. Just walk to the pharmacy and watch some YouTube videos wow. and take care of
1: yourself. Nice. you know. But I'm guessing yeah. <laughs> there's probably not a lot of, you know, like, physicians that you can, you know, can go to, to better... Thailand... Any- in the private
0: hospitals, there's a couple good endocrinologists. Uh, okay. I met a f- okay, with a okay. few of them. I have a script from one of the private hospitals, yeah. which I don't even know why, but it, I just have it for novel- novelty purposes, right? Where every year mm-hmm. I get it. And I don't even use it now because I'm off <laughs> testosterone completely. Yeah. So yeah. I go get it, still get it refilled with some blood work manipulations. Mm-hmm. And you talk with you know the endocrinologist that I go to, very knowledgeable, studied in the U.S., and then came back okay. to bring that knowledge back to Thailand. So That's he's very knowledgeable. Yeah. But then sometimes you talk to people who think that, you know, steroids are the devil. And and of course, in the, in, the tier, uh-huh. in the TRT clinics, they love steroids because they prescribe it. And then they also prescribe, this is mm-hmm. funny, this is Thailand for you. They mm-hmm. also prescribe illegally imported third world pharmaceuticals produced in India, mm-hmm. um, like Trimlone and oh, mastrone and Primacolone. Right. All underground lab. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. With, with synthetic carrier oils that are like dissolving you from the inside and oh causing systemic. Yeah. yeah. So so Thailand is fun, but it's also poorly regulated when it comes so, to but it's the same in the US. I mean, I was at the uh, you know the Mr. Olympia and there were several TRT links there with a whole lineup of bodybuilders. Insinuating that you yeah. can look like a jacked bodybuilder yeah. through a TRT clinic. I can't name any names obviously, but sure. it's always surprising <laughs> to see it's like, is this like a front for an underground lab? Or
1: yeah. you know, because I getting all a little these bit with that, you know. I, it is, I get a little yeah, cringy with is. this because I I feel like that's gonna draw attention to this field in a negative way and cause, you know, government know to come in. Yeah, and that's has, All the peptides are gone. and cancel. Yeah, yeah, they're gone. Yeah, and they're you know probably not coming back.
0: Um, no, unless unless they go with the the regular peptides that are right, FDA yeah. approved. So Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good. Yeah. It's still a good opportunity to buy their stocks. I, I bought in not, oh, sure. not too long ago. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but they're, you know they're going to have to pay the millions of dollars to you know the, to get through the approval process. And yeah, yeah, it's it's a shame. But I, yeah, I cringe a little bit with some of these clinics they're handing out, you know, Winstrawl and, and all these additional, um, you know, pharmaceuticals that, you know, kind of a dubious, uh, you know, at least for, yeah, for longevity, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this from, as a longevity, mm-hmm. from a longevity perspective and an overall health perspective that, um, you know, they they're probably not moving that needle very much we know we know that testosterone does testosterone is like a very health promoting thing but i don't yeah. think adding winstrol into your uh your trt protocol is probably going to do any wonders for your cardiovascular health or so a lot of people
0: with sup- yeah. Yeah, a lot of people with supposed angioedema problems
1: <laughs> right 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 all of a sudden <laughs> that's right. what it's
0: prescribed for I, know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, so Uh, what I would like to see, what I would like to see, mm -hmm. though, like in the future, at one point you have these anti-aging clinics where you can Mm -hmm. go in for intravenous treatment with Mm NAD+, so nicotinamide, adenine, dinucleotide, and maybe some antioxidants, some glutathione, maybe some peptides, right? Mm -hmm. That I would like to see in the future, but Mm -hmm. those need to be as abundant as, you know, the CBD uh, places, right? The the, the wheat wheat shops, Mm -hmm. because intravenous administrations you would need to do in person. Yes. So, like for me, for example, I do mm-hmm. NAD+, vitamin C, glutathione, B vitamins. I do it mm-hmm. once per week, right? And I swear yeah. by it. I feel that it's highly beneficial okay. for anti-aging purposes mm-hmm. and a just overall sense of well-being and energy levels. Yeah. But I have a private nurse that comes to my house and does it for me, right? And, yeah. and, and I'm in touch with the compounding pharmacy and I'm in touch with the, the, the private right. hospital so I can yeah. just give them a call and say, listen, mm-hmm. write me a script for 100 vials of NAD+. Mm-hmm. Right, so I can get that. That's this is Thailand, right? In, right? in Thailand, you can just do whatever as long as you're connected and you have the money. Mm-hmm. In the rest of the world, we're not there yet, no. but I would still like to see it like a real health optimization clinic at every street corner mm-hmm. where you can do things under medical supervision that are mm-hmm. clinically recognized, that are just bioidentical, yes, or at least yeah. you can get from. You know, mm-hmm. nature. Right. Vitamin C yeah. is not bioidentical because you don't produce it yourself, but glutathione yeah. is, NAD right. plus is, testosterone yeah. is, yes. DHEA is, had <laughs> mm-hmm. pregnenolone mm-hmm. is. And mm-hmm. I think under medical supervision, it's totally safe to take that, even if mm-hmm. the reference ranges don't really say that it's it oh, should yeah. be this high. Yeah. But I mean time will tell if those reference yeah. ranges will be lowered or, or mm-hmm. just abolished. And now now we have new medicine and say, listen, fifteen Nerd is okay, and your total yeah. testosterone. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's and then you know the costs will have to come down, and um, you know people will want their insurance to pay for it, and you know that's a whole other hurdle. It's um, yeah. It's I don't really know where the medical system is going to go over the next ten years. It's not going to be a good place. The um, essentially, you know, there's there's a basics the basics of supply and demand. I think are still obviously going to be very relevant because the, Mm -hmm. and that's the supply will always be limited, but the demand I've just seen, like my ER volumes are just skyrocketing with just, with just the amount of sick people that are coming through the door, the number of ambulances Mm -hmm. that are coming in through shifts. Like I just don't see it being a sustainable system. And, and we're at the point now where like, I've got people with heart attacks that are, waiting two or three days to get admitted to the hospital so they're in oh, a hallway. Wow. they're in a they're in an er bed yeah it's it's the uh, so something has to give something is that, has to but change. Is that, without going into details is that only yeah. the last two or three years so it, there's been hospital boarding or er boarding has been an issue for a lot you know a long time okay. mm-hmm. but i will say that like the pandemic i think it accelerated all the stuff that I was seeing beforehand. Right. Um, you know, I remember like when I worked at a big trauma center in Florida, in the mid 2000s, I mean, I, we would occasionally board people for a day or two, until an, like an ICU bed opened up or something like that. But now mm-hmm. it's every day. And, and it's not just wow. that hospital is full. It's like every hospital in the entire state is full for days at a time. And so it's uh, and it doesn't matter how good your insurance is; it doesn't like none mm-hmm. of that matters. It's just there's no beds, so wow. it's um, and it and it it's just the volume of really sick people is just going up. You know, all those people you saw at Disneyland, you know, mm-hmm. all of those people are just like one one little incident away from landing in the hospital. That's and what they look naked. like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they look much, like. Right? <laughs> it doesn't take much to push them over the edge, and. And no. those people, I'm telling you, Steve, man, when they get sick, they get really sick. No, They're so I unhealthy. Know. They're so unhealthy. So they suck. You know, the no. resource um, utilization is massive. So you know, it's save yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, that's why so I was telling you, do it, well, you can to not Be in that system.
0: Yeah, preventative is it's just huge. the best way to go. It's huge. Yeah, it's it's, it's the best huge. Way. So you...
1: if it takes weekly, you know, NAD infusions and. Um, you know, that, if that's like, that's part of that, whatever you got to do to stay out of that system. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not worried about you, you're, you and your wife are going to be fine, but the general yeah. public is, it's in a, it's in a bad place, man. It's a very no, it bad
0: is. place. It is. It is. And to close this off, you're mm-hmm. 50 years old and you're kicking uh, ass. Thank you. I'm trying to give a, give Yeah. <laughs> give us your secrets now yeah, for all the 40 50 year olds out there and for the a couple 20 25 year olds that are listening now it's like i okay. want to be as cool as andrew when i'm 50 uh, years old like, give wanna, us some yeah. give us some give us some guidelines yeah. and then we're going to wrap it
1: up all right well i it's hard to say think of off the cuff but i you know being being healthy and being on a good age management program i always say is it's actually extraordinarily boring so it's not exciting. It's like I do the same <laughs> yeah, thing every that's true, day. Right? It's boring. Like I, I have, yeah. I have a routine. I have habits, and I, I make I, to the best of my ability. I'm not perfect. I make try to make really good little decisions every single day about what I eat, what I do with my body, and mm-hmm. I try to get enough sleep. Which now having a child is not happening. But um, you know, it, it's all these little NAD things plus, that you
0: do. NAD plus.
1: Your I'm sleep try quality will be. To try it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Just sleep so like a it's, baby. It's not sexy, right? Like being healthy is not sexy. In fact, you're 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 turning down. You know, I'm not. I don't go out and drink with my buddies. Mm-hmm. I I don't eat junk food. I don't stay up late anymore. Um, it's all these little tiny things that you do, and you, the sooner you start this stuff, you know. You mm-hmm. and I have been in in fitness in some respect or another since we were teenagers. So, right. this is the end result of that is that you get to reap these benefits later, but you know, it's not, it's never too late to like make some changes, you know? And, and, and who cares Mm. if you ever get 19 inch biceps, like who cares? Um, I did. I did. I did For one point point point. in my life. Now I'm like 17. I I did too. Right. (laughs) I did too. But, but that won't be the most important thing when you're 70 or 80. Um, You know, the most important thing is, is going to be able to, to live independently and, um, and have good quality of life and and Mm. enjoy the remaining years with your kids Yeah, you don't want a little be. bit of sex yeah. yeah yeah a little bit of sex every now and then you know is good yeah
0: with the wife yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but if, I mean the guys that don't take care of themselves they don't have those opportunities they don't no. play with their kids and they don't no. make love to their wife and they don't no. go out for a holiday and when they do go out for holiday yeah. it's in a chair yeah. you know? and that's that's kind of painful to see which can easily be prevented
1: absolutely but so I tell guys just, like, take a long-range view it's you know we're all all of us it's tempting to be just to think in the short range but imagine where you want to be in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. And it's these little things that you do now that will get you there. It's, it's a, it's, it's a grind. It's not fun, really. It's kind of boring, but you got to do it, (laughs) man. You got to do it because the the cost of doing, I see the cost of not doing that on a regular basis. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Yeah. The average medical bill
0: in the U S is what, half a million dollars, a million dollars now. If you get admitted.
1: Yeah. Are we, we, our, our medical costs are higher than anywhere else and our medical mm. outcomes are like worse than everybody so it's like we're doing everything <laughs> wrong so, <laughs> so educate yourself guys it's up to you you gotta yeah. you gotta find the information there is good information out there and mm-hmm. um you just gotta you gotta put the effort in it's it's up you know it's up to you yeah it's up to you hey Andrew, this was great where can Thanks. people find you so you know you can reach out to me th- either through my YouTube channel. Uh, my practice website is just manmedicine.com. You can leave me a message there. Uh, it's a it's a small private practice. If you're interested in consulting with me or you know potentially joining the practice, you can set up a little meeting with me. We do it over a HIPAA compliant uh, video platform, and you know we can see if uh, we're we'll good to work together or not. Um, but I'm going to continue to try to put out, you know, good quality information that people can use and, um, and, and we'll see where it goes. All right.
0: Guys, subscribe. If you like long form content, that's intelligent. Right? And then if you're not up for that, then TikTok is somewhere else. But if you want some good quality content, like Andrew is the place to be. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I really hope that Thank you, uh, really grow a little it. bit more in social media. And we're we'll, uh, looking forward to see what you, 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 you have to offer in your channel, man. Thanks so much. All right, Thanks, buddy. Take care. Ciao. Thanks.